Chapter 8 of The Lost Princess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cheryl Martin. The Lost Princess by George MacDonald. Chapter 8. As soon as she was left alone, Agnes set to work tidying and dusting the cottage made up the fire, watered the bed, and cleaned the inside of the windows. The wise woman herself always kept the outside of them clean. When she had done, she found her dinner, of the same sort she was used to at home, but better, in the hole of the wall. When she had eaten it, she went to look at the pictures. By this time her old disposition had begun to rouse again. She had been doing her duty, and had in consequence begun again to think herself somebody. However strange it may well seem, to do one's duty will make anyone conceited who only does it sometimes. Those who do it always would as soon think of being conceited of eating their dinner as of doing their duty. What honest boy would pride himself on not picking pockets? A thief who was trying to reform would— to be conceited of doing one's duty is then a sign of how little one does it, and how little one sees what a contemptible thing it is not to do it. Could any but a low creature be conceited of not being contemptible? Until our duty becomes to us common as breathing, we are poor creatures. So Agnes began to stroke herself once more, forgetting her late self-stroking companion, and never reflecting that she was now doing what she had then abhorred and in this mood she went into the picture gallery. The first picture she saw represented a square in a great city, one side of which was occupied by a splendid marble palace, with great flights of broad steps leading up to the door. Between it and the square was a marble-paved court with gates of brass, at which stood sentries in gorgeous uniforms, and to which was affixed the following proclamation in letters of gold, large enough for Agnes to read. By the will of the king, from this time until further notice, every stray child found in the realm shall be brought without a moment's delay to the palace. Whoever shall be found having done otherwise shall straightway lose his head by the hand of the public executioner. Agnes's heart beat loud, and her face flushed. Can there be such a city in the world, she said to herself? If I only knew where it was, I should set out for it at once. There would be the place for a clever girl like me. Her eyes fell on the picture which had so enticed Rosamond. It was the very country where her father fed his flocks. Just round the shoulder of the hill was the cottage where her parents lived, where she was born and whence she had been carried by the beggar woman. Ah, she said, they didn't know me there. They little thought what I could be, if I had the chance. If I were but in this good, kind, loving, generous king's palace, I should soon be such a great lady as they never saw. Then they would understand what a good little girl I had always been. And I shouldn't forget my poor parents like some I have read of. I would be generous. I should never be selfish and proud like girls in story-books." As she said this, she turned her back with disdain upon the picture of her home, and settling herself before the picture of the palace, stared at it with wide, ambitious eyes, 
and a heart whose every beat was a throb of arrogant self-esteem. The shepherd-child was now worse than ever the poor princess had been, for the wise woman had given her a terrible lesson, one of which the princess was not capable, and she had known what it meant, yet here she was, as bad as ever, therefore worse than before. The ugly creature whose presence had made her so miserable had indeed crept out of sight, and mine too. But where was she? Nestling in her very heart, where most of all she had her company, and least of all could see her. The wise woman had called her out, that Agnes might see what sort of creature she was herself. But now she was snug in her soul's bed again, and she did not even suspect she was there. After gazing a while at the palace picture, during which her ambitious pride rose and rose, she turned yet again in condescending mood and honored the home picture with one stare more. "'What a poor, miserable spot it is compared with this lordly palace,' she said. But presently she spied something in it she had not seen before, and drew nearer. It was the form of a little girl building a bridge of stones over one of the hill brooks. "'Ah, there I am myself,' she said. "'That is just how I used to do.' "'No,' she resumed, "'it is not me. "'That snub-nosed little fright can never be meant for me. "'It was the frock that made me think so. "'But it is a picture of the palace. "'I declare I can see the smoke of the cottage "'rising from behind the hill. "'What a dull, dirty, insignificant spot it is, "'and what a life to lead there.' She turned once more to the city picture, and now a strange thing took place. In proportion as the other, to the eyes of her mind, receded into the background, this, to her present bodily eyes, appeared to come forward and assume reality. At last, after it had been in this way growing upon her for some time, she gave a cry of conviction, and said aloud, "'I do believe it is real!' That frame is only a trick of the woman to make me fancy it a picture lest I should go and make my fortune. She is a witch, the ugly old creature. It would serve her right to tell the king and have her punished for not taking me to the palace, one of his poor lost children he is so fond of. I should like to see her ugly old head cut off. Anyhow, I will try my luck without asking her leave. How she has ill-used me! But at that moment she heard the voice of the wise woman calling, "'Agnes!' and, smoothing her face, she tried to look as good as she could and walked back into the cottage. There stood the wise woman, looking all round the place and examining her work. She fixed her eyes upon Agnes in a way that confused her and made her cast hers down, for she felt as if she were reading her thoughts. The wise woman, however, asked no questions but began to talk about her work, approving of some of it, which filled her with arrogance, and showing how some of it might have been done better, which filled her with resentment. But the wise woman seemed to take no care of what she might be thinking, and went straight on with her lesson. By the time it was over, the power of reading thoughts would not have been necessary to a knowledge of what was in the mind of Agnes, for it had all come to the surface— that is, up into her face, which is the surface of the mind. Ere it had time to sink down again, the wise woman caught up the little mirror and held it before her. Agnes saw her somebody, 
the very embodiment of miserable conceit and ugly ill-temper. She gave such a scream of horror that the wise woman pitied her, and laying aside the mirror, took her upon her knees, and talked to her most kindly and solemnly, in particular about the necessity of destroying the ugly things that come out of the heart, so ugly that they make the very face over them ugly also. And what was Agnes doing all the time the wise woman was talking to her? Would you believe it? Instead of thinking how to kill the ugly things in her heart, she was, with all her might, resolving to be more careful of her face, that is, to keep down the things in her heart, so that they should not show in her face. She was resolving to be a hypocrite as well as a self-worshipper. Her heart was wormy, and the worms were eating very fast at it now. Then the wise woman laid her gently down upon the heather bed, and she fell fast asleep, and had an awful dream about her somebody. When she woke in the morning, instead of getting up to do the work of the house, she lay thinking, to evil purpose. In place of taking her dream as a warning, and thinking over what the wise woman had said the night before, she communed with herself in this fashion. If I stay here longer, I shall be miserable. It's nothing better than slavery. The old witch shows me horrible things in the day to set me dreaming horrible things in the night. If I don't run away, that frightful blue prison and the disgusting girl will come back, and I shall go out of my mind. How I do wish I could find the way to the good king's palace. I shall go and look at the picture again, if it be a picture, as soon as I've got my clothes on. The work can wait. It's not my work, it's the old witch's, and she ought to do it herself. She jumped out of bed and hurried on her clothes. There was no wise woman to be seen, and she hastened into the hall. There was the picture, with the marble palace and the proclamation shining in letters of gold upon its gates of brass. She stood before it and gazed and gazed, and all the time it kept growing upon her in some strange way, until at last she was fully persuaded that it was no picture, but a real city, square, and marble palace, seen through a framed opening in the wall. She ran up to the frame, stepped over it, felt the wind blow upon her cheek, heard the sound of a closing door behind her, and she was free. Free was she, with that creature inside her? The same moment a terrible storm of thunder and lightning, wind and rain, came on. The uproar was appalling. Agnes threw herself upon the ground, hid her face in her hands, and there lay until it was over. As soon as she felt the sun shining on her, she rose. There was the city, far away on the horizon. Without once turning to take a farewell look of the place she was leaving, she set off, as fast as her feet would carry her, in the direction of the city. So eager was she that, again and again, she fell, but only to get up and run on faster than before. End of chapter 8